Well, let us pray. Gracious Lord, we pray that this day you would open your word to us, that you would teach us again from the Lord's Prayer how we are to pray to you, how you would have us pray, what it means that your name be hallowed and your kingdom come. Father, we pray that by your Holy Spirit you would plant your word deep within us, that it might nourish our souls, that you might empower us to live as citizens of your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. In the first few weeks of our series on prayer, we've established who it is that we pray to and what prayer is really all about. This is the pattern that Jesus establishes when he teaches on prayer, ensuring that his disciples know the Father before they begin asking him for things. It's the foundation we need as we begin to turn to the question of what it is we pray for. And it's clear that even our prayerful petitions follow this same sort of pattern that Jesus lays out for us. You see, the order of petitions in the Lord's Prayer help us to see and understand what it is that we truly value, what our priorities in life and, and prayer should actually be. And so we'll begin our time today by looking at the general order of the petitions in the Lord's Prayer, and then at three specific ones. Hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, and give us this day our daily bread. And so let's begin with the order of the petitions. Note that when Jesus teaches his disciples to pray, he doesn't simply give them a laundry list of items that they should ask for for themselves. He doesn't say, start by asking for money, since, since that's obviously the most important thing, and then pray about family, and then pray about your job, or anything like that. <laughs> and this should strike us immediately, because I don't know how many times I've been praying and I start by saying something like, gracious Lord. You know, what I could really use is, and then out comes my oh-so-prayerful shopping list. The problem here is not asking for things, but rather the order of what we ask. The order of our prayers shows us what we truly value, and more often than not, we get the order all wrong. <laughs> it really it shouldn't surprise us. One of the primary effects of the fall of mankind and the entrance of sin into the world is that our affections, what we love and value above all things, are distorted. They are disordered. We don't love as we should. We don't love what we should. We often hear the argument that love is good, period, regardless of the object of our affection or the manner in which we love, but that is simply not true. St. Augustine reminds us that the truly righteous person is a person who has rightly ordered his love so that he does not love what is wrong to love or fail to love what should be loved, or to love too much what should be loved less, or to love too little what should be loved more. I bring this up because the order of the petitions in the Lord's Prayer reveal how we are meant to order our loves. You see, the first petitions are you petitions, not, not me or, or we petitions. They're directed to our Father. 
hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. They are petitions for God to act on his own behalf. And then come the things that I pray for myself, for ourselves, and one another. And this is so important for us to understand because the truth is, if God's name is not hallowed and his kingdom doesn't come, none of the rest of it will really matter much at all. Life will just be a long, slow drudgery until we die. We'll seek after what we love only to find that it's as empty as the previous thing we loved and thought would satisfy our souls. All because our loves are disordered. We love created things more than the creator of things. But by praying the Lord's Prayer with attention and focus, following the structure that our Lord gives us for prayer begins to rectify that disorder as it shifts our eyes upward to God. It lifts up our heart in worship and adoration before we can begin to focus on anything else at all. And when our hearts are fixed upon Jesus, it changes the way that we pray. It changes how we view prayer and even what we ask for in prayer, as is evidenced by the rest of the Lord's Prayer. It's why I appreciate the ACTS method of praying so much, which some of you may have heard of this before, the, the acronym ACTS. It stands for Adoration, Confession, Thanksgiving, and Supplication. It's a helpful acronym for us to use as we approach prayer, ensuring that we begin by adoring our Lord, by confessing our sins to him, which is a, a necessity in Christian life, by giving him thanks for who he is and all that he has done. And then and only then do we begin our supplications. It ensures that our affections, our loves are ordered rightly as we begin by adoring our Father in heaven. Now, having fixed our eyes upon Jesus, what is it that we are specifically praying for? Well, the first petition is, hallowed be your name. In this petition, we are asking that God be known as holy, that his name would be given the honor and worship that he is due. That is what it means that his name would be kept holy, that we would see him for who he is, utterly different and perfect, worthy of all praise and worship. That seems simple enough. It seems like an easy thing to pray, but let's think about it for a minute. How, how is the name of God hallowed or set apart? Well, by praying it, it assumes faith, doesn't it? It assumes that we believe in the Father. Otherwise, why would we want his name to be known at all? Why would we care how his name is treated if we didn't believe in him? Well, then how does one come to believe in the Father? Well, by him revealing himself, of course. Faith is not something that we build inside of ourselves. It is the gift of the Father. And so when we pray that God's name would be known, that his name would be kept holy, what we are praying for is that God would reveal himself to us. We are asking that he would show us who he is and how we are to be in relationship with him. Phil Riken points out for us that when we ask him to hallow his name, all we are doing is asking him to reveal that he is exactly who he is. 
We are praying that he would show himself as our holy Lord so that we might know him as such and keep his name holy. Oh, what a great prayer that is, isn't it? It strikes right at the heart of, of what we're here for, to be in that right relationship with God, worshiping him and loving him above all things. It sets our heart toward the object of our worship before we can begin to pray anything else at all. And what genuine Orthodox Christian wouldn't pray for God to be known and his name be hallowed? But let's apply this just for a second. If we pray that God would be known, we are also praying that we would be in a, a right relationship, a worship relationship with him, as we've said, and come to know him and believe in him as our father in heaven. The result of being in that relationship means becoming more like him. If our father is holy and set apart, then so the people of God are meant to be as well. Jesus said, be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. We read in Leviticus that you shall be holy, for I, the Lord your God, am holy. Praying that God's name would be hallowed is praying that God would accomplish his chief end, which is to reveal and glorify himself. And that doesn't mean just as a, a general global level thing. It means in our hearts and lives as well. When we pray this petition, we are praying that God's name would be kept holy in my life and that my heart and my life would be conformed to that of Jesus. We are praying that Jesus would change my thoughts, my actions, my loves to be like his. God's name cannot be hallowed unless he is kept in his proper place, which is at the center the purpose and the end of all things. If God is not the primary focus of my affections and the desire of my soul, then I am not hallowing his name. <clears throat> what is it that I love? How do my thoughts and my actions keep and reveal the holiness of God's name? Friends, God is the one who reveals himself to people, no question, but he often uses his people to do it. If he is to be known as he should, we must follow him as we are called. We are to be holy as he is holy, and so that, so that he might be known and given the praise due his name. How do my words hallow the name of God? How do my actions, when I get cut off in traffic, hallow the name of God? How does my heart keep holy the name of God when I'm sitting on hold for 45 minutes with the cable company just wanting them to fix my bill? How do my actions, how do my words on social media reflect the holiness of Christ when I see that comment that just makes my teeth stand on edge? Hallowed be your name is not a throwaway line. 
It's the petition that asks for God to rightly align our affections so that we might love him above all things and live like his son in this world to the end that people would know that he is truly holy. It is why it is so important that the first line of the Lord's Prayer is adoring our Lord. We worship him that we might love him for his name's sake and be changed by him. Now the second petition. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Yes, I know this is more than one, but we're going to treat it all as one. <laughs> Why is it that we would pray this? Why is this a necessary prayer at all? After all, Jesus said that he came to bring the kingdom of God, and if God is who he says he is, then his will will be done. So why is this a necessary prayer at all? Well, first, it forces us to acknowledge that this world is not as it should be. We live in a world that sees suffering and strife, a place where capitals can be stormed and, and vaccines delayed. But that while we live in a world trapped by darkness, light has come and pierced that darkness. That means we are given glimpses of beauty and a foretaste of the kingdom to come, moments of worship where our hearts are lifted up to the Lord, the foretaste of the heavenly banquet we will share with Jesus in the, in the bread and wine of Holy Communion. These are wonderful things, but, but they are not the fullness of what is to come. And so when we pray, your kingdom come, your will be done, we hold these things in tension. That we live in a world that has moments of beauty and goodness, and yet is not what it should be. That there is still much darkness. All is not right, but that in Jesus, all things are becoming right. And we pray this all the more as we long for the day to draw near when he will bring his kingdom in fullness and the darkness will end forever. That there will be no need for vaccines because illness will be finished. There will be no conflict for peace himself will stand in our midst. This is a prayer of looking forward, of longing to see Jesus return. It is a prayer that acknowledges that for things to be what they should be, for things to be made right, we need God to act. We need him to bring his kingdom. We need his will to be done. Only a king can bring a kingdom. And that is what Jesus began at his first coming. Repent, therefore. Repent and believe. For the kingdom of heaven is at hand, Jesus tells us. He came to inaugurate the kingdom of God and to make all who believe in him citizens of that kingdom with our eyes fixed upon him and him alone as our king. This is an interesting time to speak about kingdoms, isn't it? <laughs> we live in an age of hyper-political engagement of 24-hour news cycles, podcasts, talk, radio. It's politics everywhere, all the time. And it is in such a world that we pray, your kingdom, Lord, come. Your will be done. Father, complete the work you began in Christ. Bring your perfect rule so that we might enjoy your perfect peace. 
we need to be clear that this is not a prayer of simply sitting on our hands, waiting for the Lord to return with nothing to be done in the meantime. For we pray that God's kingdom will come and also that his will would be done. And that means being a people that seek to bring the light of Jesus Christ into a world trapped in darkness. To day by day love and serve one another as we love and serve Jesus above all, as we submit to him as our true and only king. That, to me, is what makes speaking about kingdoms so interesting right now. Because so often, we live as citizens of a different kingdom. Citizens of an earthly kingdom. People on all sides of the political divides, acting as if life can only get better. Life will only be what it should be if my team wins. And only bad, only worse things could possibly happen if those other folks are granted power, even for a moment. It's just as true in Canada as in the U.S. and across the world. This is how we are responding in our time and place. I'm not, I'm not attacking one side or the other. This isn't about partisan stuff. This is rather saying that this is something that Christians and the church must guard against. We must be aware of this, of how easy it is for our hearts to align ourselves with earthly kingdoms rather than the heavenly kingdom we are called to be a part of, that we are actually citizens of. Becoming so enamored with the things of this world and so hyper-politicized that, that we begin to associate and identify ourselves with politics and ideology above anything else. Walking around as if we have a badge saying, I'm a progressive, or I'm a conservative, I'm a liberal, I'm a populist, whatever the label might be. And sadly, the church is following the lead of the secular world here oh so much. Seeing our identity in what ideology we happen to grab hold of that day. How is it that we as Christians identify ourselves? Where is our citizenship found? Whose kingdom do I, as a follower of Jesus, belong to? Whose kingdom am I longing to see come? We answer that question in part by asking, where is my hope found? Who do I trust in above all else? You see, if I am a citizen of the kingdom of God, that means my hope and my life are found in him. That my soul rests in the Lord as we prayed in our psalm this morning. Praying your kingdom come, your will be done, reminds me of that. And it keeps my eyes fixed on Jesus as my Lord. Seeking to follow him as I live in a world that is not what it should be but one day will be as he returns. If you believe in Jesus Christ, you are a child of God and your God reigns as king above all else. You are a Christian. You are a citizen of his kingdom. All other things are secondary at best. 
our Lord reigns as king, and so we look to him for our hope. We look, for, look to him to bring about the perfect kingdom. No one else can do it. Nations will rise and nations will fall. Rulers will come and they will go, but the kingdom of God is forever. We pray, hallowed be your name, so that our affections would be properly ordered. And we pray your kingdom come, your will be done, so that we might live as his people, loving, worshiping, and submitting to him as our only king. With our hearts aligned to him and our citizenship firmly found in him, we pray to our king to sustain us as we wait for him. Give us this day our daily bread. As Martin Luther once said, this is a prayer for all the necessities of life, for, for food and shelter, for a home and companionship, for good government. That's a thing we should pray for, for good government, for life and health and peace. It is a perfect prayer that comes out of the truth that God is our king and the source of all the good that we have in our lives. He is the one who provides for us and he is the one who sustains us. What a different way of approaching praying for our needs. Rather than give me what I want because I want it, it's a prayer that says, Lord, bless me with what I need for each day that I might live as a citizen of your kingdom, reflecting your holiness and honoring your name. It is a posture of the heart that understands that possessions are gifts from the Lord. All things are his and he freely gives as he desires. And since that is the case, I'm not an owner of my money or, or my children or, or my job or my church. I am a steward of these things. God has freely given them to me to care for and look after and ultimately give back to him since he is the source of all of them. We are reminded of this in every service of Holy Communion that we have together as we, as we pray and bring our offerings we pray all things come from you, O Lord, and of your own have we given you. It's all from God. A heart that understands these things is a heart set free to love the Lord as he truly is. We are not masters of our world or the things that we have. A heart that knows this begins to look at our possessions in a very different way. We begin to look at the world in a very different way. We begin to look at one another in a very different way. We look for ways that we can honor God with how we spend our money, the money that he's given us. We, we're content with what he has given us and blessed us with instead of trying to scratch and claw our way towards more. We look for ways to bless others with the skills and abilities that he has given us. Not to use them for my own glory, but for his. How we approach the blessings of our life is often quite telling of who it is that we genuinely trust in and what it is that we love. As we are freed from the thirst for more. Whatever that more might be, more stuff or honor and praise, whatever it is, 
We are given contentment and stability and assurance of knowing that our Father in Heaven is a good Father who blesses His children with all that we need for our day and for our lives. Does not mean that all days will be wine and roses, of course, but that our Father sustains us all our days. And so when we pray, we begin by asking the Lord to change our hearts. We pray for His will to be done because His will is absolutely perfect. And we begin to see things and people as he does, so that we, so that as we live in this world, we might show people that there is a better kingdom and a vastly superior king to the earthly ones we've looked to. My dear friends, if you are in Christ, you are citizens of the kingdom of God with a father who rules as king and yet loves you so much he is willing to hear your prayers and bless you with all that you need for the road ahead. May he change each of us, that we might love him as he loves us, and that his name would be known and praised in this world and in the world to come. Let's pray. Gracious Lord, your will be done. <laughs> your kingdom come. Father, we pray as we wait for that to be true, for your kingdom to come in its fullness, that, we would ha that your name would be hallowed each and every day in our hearts, in our minds, throughout the world, in our church, that we would seek as a people to love you above all things and that you would keep us firmly rooted in your kingdom that we would not become enamored with the things of this world and so look for our hope in those, but know that hope only comes from Jesus. When we waver in this, Lord, correct us. Forgive us as we falter and strengthen us as our matchless, loving, perfect King, as only you can. In Jesus' name, amen.